just going to turn the air conditioner off because it tends to make more noise than is required. But such is life, isn't it? All the things that give us the comforts that we seek also create subtle disturbances in our lives. And the air conditioner here is just an outward experience of that constant reality, that duality that plays out. Unfortunately, we have the wisdom that guides us back to that singular experience. And that wisdom today comes to us through the channel of the Bhagavad Gita, through the words of Lord Krishna. We're on chapter 3. Last we left it around verse 15. I jumped just to end to the last. I jumped up to verse 22 from 15 because it was a beautiful verse to end on. But we'll come back now again to verse 15 and just uh, reignite the understanding that we created last week. Where we left off was especially this very fascinating verse where Krishna says, Know this divine vibratory activity to have been produced by Brahma, the cosmic creative force. Yagya, or sacrificial self-offering, brings the great cycle of cosmic manifestation back at last to itself. Last class we talked entirely about just this beautiful concept of the importance of giving, of offering back to the source of all power in all ways possible, mentally, outwardly, energetically. And here Krishna brings it to such a defining clarity because he says, by doing that, essentially, we close the loop of karma itself, of manifestation itself, of creation itself. I mean, none of us think we have that power, but daily we have that potentiality to be closing little loops of creation. Everybody's always wondering what this creation's about. Why did God spit us out, so to speak, in the first place? But if we look at it from that perspective, there's just this constant, you know, angst, a little bit of complaining attitude. Think about the power God's given us in the process as well. And what we do with that power, we have the potential really to close the loop on all creation, step by step, action by action, thought by thought, offering by offering. And what do we do with it? Not much, but now we will, now we can. Then he goes on to say, whoever resists this great rotating cycle of giving, receiving, receiving and offering, living in sin. Now again, remember the context of sin here. Sin means anything which produces more karma. So whoever resists this great rotating cycle, living in sin, and preferring the ego-centered enjoyments of the senses lives in vain. So any one of us who thinks, even for an instant, that this cycle should be one way, which all of us do at some point or the other, that all I ought to do is be receiving, well, you're living in vain. <laughs> you're living in sin because in that process, it's not that it won't happen, but so much karma will be accrued that you'll be giving back for lifetimes and not know what's going on. 
living in poverty, living in lack, living in no appreciation, living where you have to serve others all the time out of compulsion and obligation. And we all know such lives. And we all see such lives around us and we wonder why are they suffering, what's going on? Well, because they decided that all they want to do is receive. And this cycle of creation itself, well, it just doesn't work that way. And so if for a change, you and I decide, what if I give more? What if I weigh this cycle in my favor? And then, you know, not selfish, selfishly, particularly, because once the ego itself is refined to the point where it recognizes the joy and the bliss behind giving, it, it no longer is saying, ah, let me give because then I will receive, you know. It's just, I want to give. But because the universe is such a gracious and grateful universe, the universe just says, how beautiful you are, you beautiful soul. Take as well. For him, now Krishna is lifting the bar for us a little higher. For him whose only love is the Supreme Self, who delights in the Self and rests contentedly in the Self, no duty remains. This is the point of rest all of us are desperately seeking. Every one of us, or at least the majority of us, we're running around life, performing life's responsibilities and the duties with essentially one hope. You know, think about your own work. Every day you struggle, we go, we build a career, we gain, you know, the position and the salaries and the money with, with this hope that at the end of it all, I can finally rest you know, somewhere on a vacation, somewhere on a beach, where I can then finally let go. That deep desire rests within us, that I can finally rest. And this is Krishna's what he's saying here. Oh, you want to rest. I know you want to rest. But this is how that rests. This is the rest you are seeking, which is the rest of knowing only love for the Supreme Self, delighting in that Self, and resting contentedly in that self. Then no duty remains. Narayani, in our last um, satsang, talked about contentment as one of the niyamas. And she said Patanjali called it the supreme virtue. Essentially, he was lifting it up in many ways above all other yamas in the niyamas. And this is why, because this is contentment, that eventual contentment you and I are seeking. Such a person has nothing to gain by performing action in this world, nor anything to lose by not performing it. He is dependent on no one and nothing. In the autobiography of a yogi, Swami Sri Yukteswar, our Param Guru, says, He who breathes the free air of this earth is obligated to perform and provide grateful service. Now, on one perspective, he's talking about the importance of seva, the importance of this constant serviceful attitude. As long as you're breathing the free air of this earth, 
you are obligated and that word is strong you're obligated to provide and offer grateful service but look at it now from the perspective here essentially Sri Yukteswar is also it's a caveat here he's saying as long as you are dependent on anything in this world for your sustenance for your nourishment and he uses air which is essentially the the last thing <laughs> the final thing that we offer up before death as long as there's even the tiniest dependency on this world you are obligated to act in this world and this is what krishna is saying sri yukteswar offered it to us just as krishna is in its highest you are obligated to perform grateful service not just service you have to be grateful as you perform that service and whoever you're giving that service to also needs to be grateful for it means it needs to be gratefully beneficial to such a person therefore strive conscientiously during the performance of all actions whether physical or spiritual to act without attachment by activity without self-interest one attains the supreme important here is also the actions that are considered spiritual in our own meditations the expectations we place the hopes for the fruits of the visions of the peace of the joy that we hold of course we have to um, you can say aspire towards these greater realities we can't enter our meditation just saying fine you know whatever you give i don't care <laughs> it's not that uh, the way yogananda put it he said be joyfully expectant in meditation and then calmly acceptant of what comes how do they come up with these things you know just so perfect how they how beautifully they are able to put words you and i can scarcely <laughs> conjure up by the path of right action alone raja janaka and others like him attained perfection to offer guidance to others you too should be active he slipped it in there <laughs> krishna one of those tendencies we have to guide others <laughs> to advise others because we know what's best we can see all their faults and we can see all their problems in a minute <laughs> <laughs> let me guide you <laughs> <clears throat> to offer guidance to others you too should be active here krishna is really talking about example how important example is if you are not living these teachings if you've read them in a book if you've gotten a diploma somewhere if you are a certified whatever if you are not living these teachings try not to guide others um i don't think the divine appreciates that in fact try not to guide them even if you are living these teachings however as much as you feel a person is truly able to receive and at the level at which he is truly able to receive i love krishna giving the example of raja janaka paramhans yogananda our guru said lahri mahashaya our param param guru was in fact raja janaka in that previous lifetime and raja janaka was a king yet 
he was completely free, a self-realized master. You may have heard of the story of um, Sukadev, the son of Vedvyas. Sukadev says, at a very young age, he says, you know what, I'm off to find my guru. And he's carrying with him just his simple possessions, just his uh, a book on scriptures, perhaps the Vedas, I imagine. And he tells his father, you know, I'm off. I need to go and find my guru because that's the only way that I'm going to be free. He's not accepting his own father as his guru, which we can totally relate to. And Vedvya says, this is not how you're going to get it looking for some, you know, sannyasi somewhere. In fact, I will send you to a man who will be your guru. And Sukadev says, who is that? And he says, Raja Janakananda. And Sukadev says, what? A king? Probably the most materialistic man. You expect me to take him as my guru? And uh, Vedvya says, why don't you go to him and test him? And so he goes and he presents himself to Raja Janaka as the son of Vedvyas as a young 14, 15 year old, perhaps even younger, ready to renounce the world. And with a little bit of arrogance says, here I am, my father has asked me to come to you. Not that I see you have anything to offer me, but well, here I am. While he was there, the, the news started spreading in the kingdom that the palace is on fire, the palace is on fire, and all the people are running helter skelter trying to save their skins and Raja Janaka sitting on his throne in all his opulence, in all his luxury, just sits there joyfully, relaxed, contented in the self. And Sukadev also, because he is a renunciate and he has uh, done a lot of tapasya, a lot of spiritual practice, is also able to just be there, everybody else running around. And But little by little, that fire begins to creep in closer and closer and closer and closer and closer and closer. And closer until they're surrounded in a ring of fire, only Raja Janaka and Sukadev. And uh, while that fire gets closer and closer, uh, Sukadev's bag or that little you know, thing that he's tied, his portly, <laughs> which has his Vedas, and he can just see the fire getting closer and closer. And the moment it's about to touch the books, he lifts them up. And as he does that and he looks into the eyes of Raja Janaka, he realizes that even in his renunciation, he's attached to that idea of being a renunciate, attached to the scriptures that he hasn't fully yet lived. And he saw a man who has absolutely everything, completely untouched, watching his own kingdom burn before his eyes and still just as joyful. And of course, when Sukadev learns his lesson, Raja Janaka in an instant is able to change the dream delusion that there was ever a fire. And so like him, we are going to be living in this world. We're not Sukadev. Most of us are not setting out at the age of nine or 15 or whatever it is with just the Vedas. Well, we're all responsible people all have things we have to do, actions yet to be performed, karmas yet to be neutralized. But can we be like Raja Janaka, living more by example than by knowledge? And here Krishna says very beautifully, he says, whatever the superior being does, lesser beings imitate. 
His behavior sets the standard for right living in the world. What a responsibility that places on our shoulders. And it's an important time perhaps to bring up this word that has become so popular today and it's the word influencer. You've got so many people today that a majority of the world looks up to, whether they be politicians, whether they be industrialists, whether they be entertainers, celebrities, and we imitate their lives, considering them to be superior beings because we see them and we think, ah, oh, they have what I want. <laughs> you know, they must be so happy. They must have no problems whatsoever. They must have no cares in the world. They can do whatever they want. Well, <laughs> that's not true at all. <laughs> they have greater cares than you and I have. They have greater problems, greater fears, um, greater delusions, mm -hmm. greater karmas to overcome. And because we consider them superior beings, we imitate them. And imitating them, well, we can see what the world is going through right now. It's not per chance that we find ourselves in such uncertain times because we follow such uncertain realities. Now, our responsibility is to set a standard for superior beings, not because we are superior, thank God we are not, but because such is the responsibility God has placed on us. He places this responsibility not just on Arjuna. He places it on anyone who seeks the ultimate reality. And part of that responsibility is to live in accordance with that reality. That others may imitate. Because many will come, that's the closest they will come in their relationship to God, is imitating those. Just as we imitate Masters. That's the closest. Right now, we're imitating and we're happy to imitate. But at least we have the examples whom to imitate. And in the imitation of their examples, well, lo and behold, sometimes it's no longer an imitation. Sometimes it, it's actually true. We do actually sometimes feel bliss. We do actually sometimes feel so much love. We do actually sometimes feel free yeah so why not and this is where we came last time oh son of Pratharjuna, no further duty compels me now krishna is giving his own example of all others let's hear what krishna is no further duty compels me there is no state left for me to attain and nothing in the three worlds for me to gain yet still i work on for the upliftment of others there where all uplifting work is done, am I. If you want Krishna, you know where he is. He's given his address. <laughs> Wherever uplifting work is done, that's where I am. That's where you'll find me. Come and find me and join me in that uplifting world. Isn't it a beautiful contrast here? We just read how Krishna says, Oh, no duty remains for those who are contented in the self. No action compels them. No, they have nothing to gain from performing, nothing to lose from not performing. And yet, they do it. Yet, Raja Janaka served as a king. Yet, Krishna serves as a charioteer. 
And yet we will serve others as best we can through our examples. O Arjuna, if I were to cease acting in creation for even a moment, man too would imitate my inactivity. Well, of course, we'd imitate his inactivity. We'd be dead if for a moment Krishna decided, you know what? I'm not going to have the sun burn as brightly today. <laughs> yeah, I think we've had enough of keeping, you know, living by the clock. If I were to cease being active in cosmic creation, the universe itself would cease to exist. Confusion would result and mankind would be brought to ruin. That's putting it lightly. <laughs> mankind will be more than brought to ruin. There would be a mankind. Imagine that. So, think about how we too can start to imitate the Lord in all that He does. I mean, we don't think about the sun and the moon acting. We don't think about the earth, earth rotation as action that they are performing. But aren't they doing that too? Aren't they working ceaselessly just for our benefit? O oh, descendant of Bharat, as foolish people out of attachment to ego act in hope of rewards, so should the wise also act with dispassion and non-attachment, glad to be of service to others as their guides. I love how Krishna puts these words. He says, Arjuna, as foolish people act out of attachment to ego in the hope of rewards, so also the wise should act with dispassion and non-attachment, glad to be of service to others. Sometimes people ask, how should I act? What should I do? And there are two ways to look at it. And Krishna is giving us this wonderful way to actually look at how we should act. One way is to say, how would the wise people act? How would Krishna himself act? How would Babaji act? How would our Guru act? But sometimes that's a little bit of a high, you know, it's just like, I'm not quite sure how they would act because my own consciousness perhaps can't even arrive at that state and so Krishna here is giving us another way to look at it and would say how would a person I don't want to be act and then the answer is as clear oh, okay I don't want to be that way I don't want to be foolish I don't want to be ignorant I don't want to be selfish and so I can look at it when I'm unsure of my own actions I'm unsure of my own intentions of the directions this is a lovely way Krishna has given us. He says, hmm, as foolish people. So first he tells us, okay, if the fools are going to act this way, what do you think the wise people should do? Ah, they should do the opposite. So if I don't want to be like that person and that's how that person would act, ah, I should do the opposite. Doesn't it make it so much more simple? Because sometimes those high states that we aspire to, well, maybe they're out of reach and... Uh, our own humility should say, well, I don't know what Yogananda would do in this particular situation, but I do know what that guy would do who I do not want to be like. So let me do the opposite. Just beautiful, practical, simple, loving, just how much they care for us. I mean, this just shows how many different ways Krishna wants to help us clarify these things. 
okay Arjuna you're not getting it this way okay let me try this he's saying the same things he's not revealing necessarily completely different subjects although he's doing that too but then he's just helping us see it from so many different perspectives never now again a very very helpful suggestion never should the wise condemn the ignorant for the ego motivation they manifest instead being themselves enlightened they should seek only to inspire others and this is where i love this sentence in the direction of preferring to perform right dutiful actions isn't that beautiful not only is he saying don't tell them what to do don't get upset <laughs> at how they are and judge them and wonder why don't but inspire them only so that they prefer to choose right action i mean he's he's really removing himself a bit this is how god acts when has god come and shaken you and slapped you and said this is how you should act don't you know this is how i act and i'm so wise and why aren't you listening to me and like you know this is how we tend to guide others you know why aren't you doing what i say and krishna is like layering it like and saying first <laughs> don't get too bothered secondly don't try to guide them thirdly only try to inspire them and inspire them in what inspire them to prefer to act rightly and dutifully